0: that you have given us more time here on this earth to spread your gospel, to witness to your Son, Jesus Christ. And so we pray that this day you help us to open our hearts, to remove all distraction from our minds, that we might focus with a laser focus on what your words have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, quite excitedly, I would say. Today we had for our first reading a passage out of the Old Testament. We usually have an epistle and a gospel. And today the lectionary has given us an Old Testament reading and a gospel. And our first reading was out of the text was out of the prophet Jeremiah. <coughs> prophesying about a king who will reign, and of which it will be said, not just that the Lord liveth who brought Israel out of Egypt, but rather it will be said the Lord liveth who gathered Israel from all the nations into their own land. You see, Jeremiah is writing in a time just before And through the collapse of the Kingdom of Israel in the north and Judah in the south. He's writing at a time where the first temple is destroyed. He was there before the temple was destroyed and he was there after. And in that period of time, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Phoenicians, all these people descended upon the Holy Land and took hostages, dispersed the people, So God's people were spread throughout all of Asia Minor. And so Jeremiah is saying, soon there will be a prophet, a king, a messiah. And we will say, not just the Lord liveth who rescued us from Egypt as a people, but it will be said, the Lord liveth who gathered all the diaspora back to their holy land. (coughs) Here Jeremiah is is invoking the well-trodden memory of Moses. A new exodus was coming at the head of a new man who would well and truly bring his people to their land. And then we read in our gospel about the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000. How many miraculous feedings did the Lord Jesus Christ conduct during his ministry, where he fed many. He fed many. Do the children know this, Two. Two, two <laughs> miraculous great feedings. And in this one we read about the feeding of the 5,000 which hearkens back, believe it or not, to the wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel. St. John chapter 6 is one of those great passages in the New Testament. One of the ones that shook me when I was reading it as a non-believer for the first time. It is called the Bread of Life Discourse. One of the most beautiful (laughs) and penetrating passages of the New Testament. And so to understand what this passage is pointing to... Let's pay attention to where it's pointing from. You don't know a direction that someone is pointing to unless you know where that person actually is. And so let's understand where this scripture is pointing from, what the echoes are that are resonating through it. It will be very appropriate that we have just feasted the Feast of Thanksgiving where we make an explicit effort to give thanks unto God for all that He has done. We feast and we give thanks. Let us turn to Numbers chapter 11, if you have your Bibles. Numbers (laughs) is one of the books in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Thank you very much. And um, let us read chapter 11, verse 1. And see if you hear an echo from the gospel that we read today. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And His anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses. And when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Tabra, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish, which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, and the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. And the manna was as coriander seed, and the color thereof as the color of bedellium. And the people went about and gathered it, and ground it in mills, or beat it in a mortar, and baked it in pans, and made cakes of it, and the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Then Moses heard the people weep through their families. Every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. Now, we didn't read it in the actual passage today, but it is in John. So, turn to John chapter 6. What we just read was about the children of Israel being unhappy, complaining about the manna that they are receiving. They are bitterly weeping and lusting after some meat. I don't know about you, but I wasn't exactly satiated or thinking, wow, what a wondrous diet they had back in Egypt. But they nonetheless remember very fondly the cucumbers, something I don't honestly eat. I don't know if you guys, I'm not into that. The melons, okay, that's cool. The leeks, not really. Onions and garlic, yeah, that's good. It goes good on meat. And they're wondering, what happened, man? We used to have all these delicious treats. Why have we come out of Egypt to eat this rubbish, manna, that you are giving us? And it says the Lord was very angry. Let's turn to John chapter 6 and see if we have a parallel. Verse 26 says this. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me. Not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. This is after the miracle. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. And so he's saying, I have fed you, and more people have come. But you are lusting after that, those delicious loaves. Those loaves that I gave you. That's what you're lusting after. Just like the people of Israel lusted after the meat in Egypt. You've not come for the manna from heaven. You've come from the loaves. And then he says, Then said they unto them, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. They said therefore unto Him, verse 30, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Do you hear the parallel? So Jesus has just miraculously fed 5,000 people with a few crumbs. And they're asking Him, Show us a sign. That is the sign, as I I heard a whisper over here. And it is like when Moses led the people out of Egypt after a series of miraculously thunderous plagues, divided the sea, and they were still like, Show me a sign, Moses. Show me why you are called. They said therefore unto Him, What sign showest Thou then that we may see and believe Thee? What dost Thou work? Verse 31, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but My Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. That is to say, The manna from heaven didn't come from Moses' hands, although he facilitated. It came from the Father. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven. The bread of God is a person, the Lord Jesus said. And giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, and this is one of the the things that struck me. Before I was a believer. This is one of the stunning passages. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you, that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of which He hath given me I shall lose nothing, but should rise it up again at the last day. And this is the, the, the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up, on the last day and here is the echo of the Old Testament the Jews then murmured at him because he said I am the bread which came down from heaven and so likewise as the people in the wilderness were murmuring and complaining just like when you wake up in the morning and mommy and daddy give you a breakfast and you say this is not what I wanted. Or you sit down for dinner and she gives you some rice and some meat and you say, But I wanted pizza. How ungrateful. The Lord Jesus has just come down, taken off flesh, and said, He is the bread of life. If you eat of me, you will never hunger. And the Jews then murmured at him. They complained. This is ingratitude. Did Moses have a similarly difficult time? If we turn back to Numbers 11. Numbers 11, 11, it says this. Listen to Moses' cry. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant and wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I conceived all this people, that is, have I given birth to them? Have I begotten them, that thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth the suckling child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? Whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? He's saying, where am I going to get food for all these people? For they weep unto me, saying, give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And this is the stunning part. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of hand. If I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. He's saying, the situation is so bad here, why don't you kill me? Leonor? go sit down, please. Leonor. Why don't you just murder me? Because I would rather be dead than deal with these people. And this is why the prophecy of a better Moses is so important. Because, yes, while we are on a new Exodus, while we have been rescued from our own (laughs) Egypt, we have a better Moses who is not saying, Kill me, I can't take the pain and the burden of these people. Rather, he is saying, I will surrender my life so that these people can be saved. It is a complete difference. It is a terrible situation. But Moses' frailty is juxtaposed against Jesus' masculinity. Because Jesus is the strong man. The one who penetrates the strong man's house and does what to him? Do we remember the passage, children? What does Jesus do to the strong man? He binds him. That is, he, he takes his hand and he binds him. He ties rope around his feet, around his hands. Shh! And he takes the hostages and frees them. Jesus is the strong man who is able to take our... Not just our sin, but the frailty that we exhibit when we say, Lord, I am terribly unhappy. I hate the situation I'm in. I wish I was back in America. I wish I was back in Spain. I wish I was back in Nigeria. I wish I was back in Australia. I wish, I wish... We were back in that time where we had the cucumbers, the melons, the garlic, the onions, and the meat. Lord, why have you put me in this situation? It is the spirit of Cain who offers a sacrifice to God. God says, you could do better. And he hates God. He hates the situation God has put him in. Jesus is the better Messiah, the better prophet, the better king. The next parallel... The next parallel is related to how, that you should hear the echo of, is whether, where are they going to feed all these people? Numbers 11.21 says this. 11.21 says this. And Moses said, The people amongst who I am are six hundred thousand footmen. Not five thousand. Six hundred thousand footmen. And thou hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them, to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them, to suffice them? He's saying, how am I going to feed? Like, Are are you going to take all the fish from the sea? Similarly, we turn to our passage, John chapter 6, verse 5 says this, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto them, he said unto Philip, When shall we buy the bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that very one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, say unto, unto him, there is a lad here which had five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? In other words, in both passages, the people are wondering, what are we going to do to feed these people? And in both passages, we have the miracle... Of feeding. (laughs) But what we have uniquely in the Old Testament that we don't have in the New Testament. But we should, which we should take note of. Is what happens when God feeds the Israelites with the meat they were lusting after. Do you remember? Do any of the children remember what happens when Jesus, when God feeds them with the meat they had been seeking after? Chapter 11 in Numbers, verse 33 to 34. So remember the passage. They said, Oh, if we only had cucumbers, onions, garlic, melons, and meat. We wouldn't have to eat this bare-thread, tasteless manna from heaven. And God says, all right. All right, I'm going to give you what you want. And picture yourselves here, where we complain about what we have. We don't like what we have. And we say, if only we had this. So then, God says, okay. Verse 32. And the people stood up all that day, and all that night. Sorry, let me start at 31. And there went forth a wind from the Lord, and it brought quails. What's a quail? A type of bird. From the sea. And let them fall by the camp. As it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp. And the people stood up all that day, and all that night, and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. So God said, alright, you want meat? I'm going to give you more meat than you can even imagine. Here it is. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed while they were gnawing on it, no, oh, no, this is very good, oh, 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 oh. the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of the place Kibroth Hatava. Because they were buried, there they buried the people that lusted. I.e., God punished these people for their ingratitude. God had fed them with manna from heaven, which they rejected, they distasted, they disliked it. They thought, Phew, what is that? Garbage! I want something better. I want meat. I want melons. I want onions, garlic, cucumbers. And God said, here you go. I'll send you meat. More meat than you can imagine. Feast on it then. Eat on it. Enjoy it. And when the meat was very much in their mouth and they were chewing it, God slew them for their ingratitude. In the New Testament... The needy people come to be fed by Jesus. He says, He says, I am the manna from heaven, and the people eat. Ah, but there are some people who have just come for the bread. And when the Lord Jesus says, I am that bread, they get angry, and they murmur. Now we don't read in this passage what happens because of that ingratitude. But we know from our history and from our Bible what happened because of that ingratitude. We know these Israelites, they wanted... What did they want? In the wilderness, they wanted that old meat, not the man. In the New Testament, they wanted political power to overthrow the Romans instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they reject the Lord Jesus, they crucify Him, <laughs> and then, after the resurrection and the ascension, if you know your history, you know that there was a rebellion against the Romans. And there was a measure of success, believe it or not. They did throw off the legions for a time, and they did have supremacy in their land. And, they, and wouldn't you know it, This sounds somewhat similar to what we heard in the Old Testament. You want political supremacy? Here it is. I'm going to give you a measure of success. But in the midst of their success, he also sends new legions. (laughs) A new crushing comes. And right in the midst of them thinking they have been delivered, The Romans crushed them. And they destroyed the temple once and for all. The wrath of God is not to be toyed with. Ingratitude is not to be entertained. This is the danger of being ungrateful. Of neglecting the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Of murmuring of complaining at what we have. For we have the manna from heaven, don't we? We have the flesh and the blood of the very Lord Jesus Christ. We have the Son of God, in whom we have peace, joy, self-control, honor, virtue, and charity. And this is what the Jeremiah and the Gospel passage is pointing to. We have a tremendous obligation to recognize the gift of eternal life, the gift of the arrival of the new man who has gathered his people into a new ark. If we think back to the flood and the command for Noah to build a new boat... Or a boat. This is the beauty of the scriptures, brothers and sisters, there are so many parallels. In the beginning, Genesis 1, God created. And the firmament was what? The, The creation was full of water. And then he divides the land and plants the garden, and that's where humanity is implanted. When he floods the earth, it's like a recreation of Genesis 1. He floods the whole earth. The whole earth is full of water again. And then he divides the waters. The boat lands on the, wa- on the land. And the <coughs> humanity starts again. When the Israelites are taken out of Egypt... He does what at the Red Sea? <coughs> what does He do, children? Do you remember what He does at the Red Sea? Yes? He parts. He divides the water. And so the Lord, the Lord is a Lord of continuity, consistency, renewal, repetition, He stays the same. He doesn't change. Whether it be Cain and Abel, the children of Israel, or the New Testament Jews, the lesson is, be grateful for what you have and be careful what you ask for. For in what you ask for, we can learn whether you are grateful for what you have or what you don't have. If you are sitting there praying, Lord, give me a new husband, please, that means you don't like the husband you have. If you are there saying, Lord, please give me a new wife. I don't like this one. That means you don't like what the Lord gave Lord, give me a new house. I don't like the house we are currently... Well, you don't like the house that you live in. Lord, give me a new brother. Lord, give me a new son. Lord, give me a new car. Lord, give me a new this. Give me more. Give me more. What are you saying? You're saying, Lord, I don't like what you have given me. And it is a very dangerous game to play. So the Lord Jesus Christ, when He has fed the 5,000, He is repeating. He gets baptized at the Jordan, the body of water that the people of Israel cross to get to the promised land. And I will close with this. The great prophet Elijah, who we have someone in our congregation named that. He Opposed a very wicked king and his very wicked wife, Jezebel, who wanted to introduce false worship into the temple, the worship of Baal. This great prophet slew the prophets of Baal. And he was on the run, he was being pursued all the time. He raised a group of other prophets, like a little army, that were going to carry out his mission. And his heir apparent, Elisha, was there when Elijah was taken up, taken up to the heavens. The promises of God for the Holy Land, for manna from heaven, those promises fall on the church. And this is how we know. Elijah, when he was on the other side of the Jordan, before he crossed it, his robe, he struck his robe on the water. And the water parted. This is again the God that repeats. He parts the waters in Genesis 1. He parts the waters when Noah needs to land and saves humanity. He parts the waters when the children of Israel leave Egypt. And now he's parting the water when the prophet, who is the forerunner of John the Baptist, is at the Jordan to cross into the promised land, to eradicate the (laughs) prophets of Baal. He crosses there, and suddenly the Bible says, chariots (laughs) take Elijah into the promised land, into heaven. And so, brothers and sisters, the promised land, the reenactment of the Exodus in the New Testament through the Lord Jesus Christ, in which we hear about the feeding of the 5,000, And the consequences of the ingratitude for the manna. The promised land is heaven. The promised land is the new creation. And those promises are to us. The seed of Abraham. The seed of Eve who would crush the snake. The Lord Jesus Christ. The promises which all fall unto Him and we are part of Him tell us that we are on this journey. Here in the sign and seal of communion, at the intersection of the temporal and the transcendent, we are being fed on a journey through the wilderness, in this new ark, toward the final parting of the seas, into the new creation. May we, therefore, Avoid the examples of the Israelites, of the wilderness, and of the Jews of all ages, who instead of offering God their thankfulness for sending His Son, even today reject Him. Let us therefore feed on His flesh and on His blood with joyful hearts. For the consequences of doing otherwise are unfathomably dangerous. We have been saved from our lewdness, our lies, our licentiousness, our lawlessness, our lechery, and our looseness. That is our Egypt. Let us not forget that we all have Egypts that we have come from. We all were under our own pharaohs. We all used to live a life beholden to lust, lawlessness, lechery, licentiousness, looseness. But now we are delivered. Now we have passed through the Dead Sea. Now we have been given a Savior. And so as we pray and as we live and as we walk, let us root out any source of ingratitude, any source of contention which says, I hate the life that I'm living. For be careful, God may indeed give you what you are asking for, but it (laughs) won't be what you think it is. God is a merciful, patient, long-suffering God. Turn to Him this very day, And tell him, Lord, thank you for all that you have given me. Thank you for saving me out of Egypt. Thank you for destroying Pharaoh. Thank you for giving me the bread of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen and now lay not up for yourselves treasures <laughs>